This is Heavenly Gospels Podcast. Thank you so much for tuning in. Pastor Corey is continuing his I Do series. You can have it part two. Enjoy. God, Genesis chapter 22. We serve a great and mighty God. That regardless of what we're going through, regardless of what we're facing, regardless of what we're experiencing, God is yet great. And we shouldn't allow our praise to be defined by what we're going through. But we should allow our praise to define what we go through. That we don't praise and worship God out of convenience. We worship him out of the conviction that he is yet good. Amen. I'm going to tell you why he's good because you are here. You got breath in your body. Oh, God. You got clothes on your back. You got food on the table. You got shelter over your head. I, I wish I had a church up in here that it don't take much for me to bless God, but all I got to do is think about the goodness of Jesus. Genesis chapter 22, verse 9. Genesis chapter 22, verse 9. If you got it, say, I got it. And it reads, then they came to the place in which God had told him, and Abraham built an altar there and placed the wood in order. He bound Isaac, his son, and laid him on the altar upon the wood. And Abraham stretched out his hand, took the knife to slay his son. But the angel of the Lord called to him from heaven and said, Abraham, Abraham. So he said, here I am. And he said, do not lay your hand on the lad or do anything to him. For, for now I know that you fear God, since you have not withheld your son, your only son from me. Then Abraham lifted his eyes and looked there. Behind him was a ram caught in the thicket by its, ram, by its horns. So Abraham went and took the ram and offered it up for a burnt offering instead of his son. And Abraham called the name of the place, the Lord will provide. Could you just repeat that after me? Say, the Lord will provide. I know you said it to me, but could you look at your neighbor that you're standing next to and say, the Lord will provide. Could you look at that neighbor and get and say, neighbor, I don't care how it looks. I don't care how it feels. The Lord will provide. Come on and bless God as you take your seats. The Lord will provide. I want to preach and teach from the subject title as we continue as we've started this sermon a series I do I do moving from moments with God to a marriage with God I want to preach and teach from a subject title that we started last week somebody say you can have it you can have it family we started this sermon series last week because I believe God burdened my heart with the word to to move 
and to and push and to challenge the church to move from having with God. That God desires a relationship with his creation. But it's not enough for God to want it for you. For you must want it for yourself. And with any relationship and with any healthy marriage, it takes two to tango. <laughs> that, that, that God, the very first thing that he asks for when he come, when we come into a relationship with him, he asks for you. That you shall give your life to Christ, not because he wants just to be your savior, but because he wants to be your Lord. That Jesus, he doesn't just want to save our life, he wants to lead our life. I'll say one more time that Jesus, he desires not only to save our life, but he wants to lead our life. And watch this, since he gave his body for us, it's only right we give our body for him. That's why Paul says in the scriptures to present your body as a living sacrifice. Because the truth of the matter is, there's nothing worse than a one-sided relationship. Y'all ain't going to talk to me this morning. Okay, for, all, for everybody who's been there, there, there's nothing worse when you want someone and they don't want you back. It's nothing worse than being in a relationship where you love them with a waterfall and a gallon of love and they love you back with a teacup. Not only is that frustrating, that is unhealthy. Because no matter how much I pour into you, it doesn't, it, it will not ever replace the amount that you love me back with. That if I'm going to love you with a gallon, I expect you to love me with a gallon back. Because there's nothing worse than being in an imbalanced relationship. And God says, for my people, for my children, for, for my church, because he is the bridegroom, I, I desire, I desire a relationship with you. But it's not just a matter of love, it's how you love them. Somebody say ways matter. It's not a matter of just loving God, are you loving him his way? teach Pastor Corey, because I want to submit to you, it's possible to love someone and yet not love them the way they need to be loved. Okay, okay, okay. Uh, on Bible study, I talked about this, that uh, Dr. Gary Chapman, he wrote this book, published this book, Five Love Languages. How many of y'all read that book before? It's such a good book. He says that people have different love dialects, that people are loved, and some people are loved through gifts. All my gifts, make some noise if you love, if you like for people to bring you something, okay? All right. All my gift saints. He then says, not only do people are loved through gifts, 
He said, people are love, some people are love through physical touch and affection. Well, I'm an affectionate lovers. All right, I'm going to get to you, but I hope you, you got a language. I'm just, all right. Um, <laughs> she said, touch, touch me. Amen. I want to be touched. We got some who are loved through quality time. Listen, I don't want your stuff. I want you. I want Netflix and chill. I'm sorry. I want Disney Plus now. And <laughs> I need somebody login account. Help the pastor out. He said some people are not just love through quality time. He said that some people are love through, this is my wife's love language, acts of service. That means <laughs> you communicate I love you by acts, doing acts for someone. I, I found this out because I thought Early on, because my love language is physical touch and af uh, words of affirmation, which I'm going to get, that's the last one. I thought that since that was my love language, that's how she wanted to be loved. And y'all, I kept lying down with her and she wasn't as, as becoming as I wanted her to be sometimes. And I realized that that was my love language, but not her love language. And so I said, baby, uh, I'm reading this book, and I'm just wondering what's your love language. She said, of course, acts of service. And so I said, oh, okay. So, y'all, instead of trying to pick her up and hug her, I picked up a vacuum. <laughs> I didn't just vacuum. I made sure they had triangles in the carpet. Because I need you to see this work. Not only did I pick up the vacuum and I put triangles in the carpet, I lit up a candle because I want it to smell different when you come in here. And y'all, I didn't even know that my wife would love me even more, would love me so much when I began to take out my clothes and hang them up. All the married women say amen. Y'all, she began to want me and to love me anyway because I began to love her the way she needed to be loved. And I come to tell you that God, he desires to you for you not only to love him, but for you to love him his way. He says, enter into my gates with thanksgiving and into my courts with praise. He said, I got a way I want you to come to me, that I want you to come to me thanking me. Somebody say yes. possible to be loving God but not loving God his way and the last thing that Dr. Gary Chapman he submitted he said words of affirmation that you I want you to tell me how handsome I am yeah yeah don't just show me I want you to tell me I need to hear it out of your mouth and not only is words of affirmation God's love language can I submit to you that all of them are God's love language. But at the core, the language of love that God speaks and that you and I speak to God 
can be captured in this one word, and that is submission. God says, I love you the most when you do what I've told you to do. Oh, God. Y'all going to help me preach up in here? Do I got a church that'll talk back to me? God says, I love you the most when you're following my leading. As we discussed last week, that submission, it means to follow God's leading even when it's the opposite direction you want to go in. And we talked last week that if we're going to submit to God, that we first got to saddle our donkey. Put the picture up. That, that, that in the nature of the human being is the spirit man and the fleshly man. The, fle the spirit man represents the ox, the, the nature in us, the spirit of God that wants to be obedient and submissive to God. The donkey represents the fleshly nature in every human being. Because when you get saved, the old you don't die. And that's the problem that many of us face. Many of the fight, that we, many of the fight much of the fight we have with, the, with, with ourselves is not with the enemy, but it's with ourselves. It's with old appetites. It's with old nature. And the donkey represents the unsubmissive, unsubmitted, fleshly ways of the nature. Teach Pastor Corey. And so the Bible tells, as we discussed last week, for the ox not to be yoked with a donkey. Because when the master says, come, the ox will want to come, but the donkey may want to be stubborn and stay where he's at. But here's the truth of the matter is, we got to subdue and saddle the donkey because that's exactly what Abraham did in the text. Somebody say he saddled the donkey. In other words, the saddling of the donkey is a picture and a representation of what the Holy Spirit does to our nature. It restrains them that when I want to do what I want to do, we saddle the donkey. When I want to act a fool and do something outside of the will of God, I got to learn how to saddle my donkey. And, and, and here it is, Abraham, he saddles his donkey, but not only does he saddle his donkey, the text says that he leaves the servants with the donkey. And we talked about this last week because sometimes people will only like you as long as they bring the donkey out of you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Some people, they don't love you. They just like the dysfunction of you. Some people, they don't really love you for real, for real, because if they love you, they wouldn't allow for you to operate in foolishness as much as you do. They would encourage you in foolishness all the time. But sometimes we got to lead people with the donkey. Somebody say, lead people with the donkey. That I don't know about you, but if you're not willing to go up with me to where God is taking me, I got to leave you in my past. I got to leave you behind because time is of the essence. God is calling me to do too much. As I, I, as I was at a funeral yesterday uh, celebrating one of the most uh, influential people in my life, the pastor said something so profound. He said, we know how much time is behind us. We know how much time we've lived. He says, but what we do not know is how much time is in front of us. 
And because we do not know how much time is in front of us, time is of the essence. And I come to tell somebody today, you, you don't have no more time to waste. That God is calling you to do too much. He's brought you from too much to be dabbling and dibbling in foolishness, things that are not conducive to your relationship or your assignment that he has on your life. Somebody shout yes. Somebody say time is of the essence. So we have to saddle our donkey, the nature, pardon us, because we can't leave church acting a fool. <laughs> we, we can't go back and leave church and go back to our jobs, and you can't even smile when somebody say good morning. And you're supposed to be a Christ follower. Somebody say, you got to saddle your donkey. Not only do we have to saddle our donkey, we got to leave the people who only bring the donkey out of us. I need people in my life that's going to bring the ox out of me. I need people in my life that's watched this that'll let me have a moment and say, you know what? I'll let you have your little moment, but you need to go and apologize. Ah. <laughs> I need people, watch this, that won't just bring the donkey out of me. I need people that will bring the ox out of me. The obedient part, the submissive part, amen? And I want you to see this. Abraham, he saddled his donkey, and it doesn't just represent the fleshly nature. It also represents, hear me family, him saddling his reasoning of the donkey. The way of thinking of the donkey. Because if you and I are going to saddle and offer Isaac, then you have to live a life where you saddle your reasoning. Because what God asked Abraham to do, hear me, it did not make sense. And saddling your reason doesn't mean you become a non-intellectual. Because contrary to popular belief, donkeys are very, very smart. It means you have an understanding that God operates at a degree of reasoning that is superior than mine. And if everything God does makes sense to me, it means God is operating with my brain and not his. That God's ways are not contrary to reason, they transcend reason. And if I ask God to do everything in a way that makes sense to me, what I'm actually asking God to do is to separate himself from the very thing that makes him God. That he is holy. That he is transcendent. And there are aspects of his existence that cannot be comprehended by the human mind. And so what I must do is take my logic and submit it to God who sees things that I don't see, who knows things that I don't know because I trust that he's smarter than me. Uh, Y'all kind of quiet right there, so let me help you understand. There, just a few weeks ago, I was helping my friend uh, with his waffle business. He, 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 he has a, uh, this waffle business, a waffle owning stick, and he was doing it for a company downtown Dallas. And y'all, we, um, we went to this building. This building was very nice. You couldn't, even get, you couldn't even get in, not with a key card. We had to go in with a friend, and he had to use his hand. 
it was biometrics that it was so nice, y'all. I said, oh, this is nice. And so we went up, y'all, and y'all, we didn't go just to the 12th floor. We didn't go just to the 14th floor. We didn't go to just the 26th floor. Y'all, we went all the way to the 37th floor. Yeah, yeah, that's building was so high. Matter of fact, they put us by the window, and I said, can we move to another spot? Because I don't even, I can't even comfortably serve the people of God, just... I know God says he hasn't given us a spirit of fear, but just for a very brief moment, I allowed the spirit of fear to arrest me, and I said, can we move? And y'all, after we got done serving the people, uh, I'm going somewhere after we got done serving the people, y'all, we begin to see smoke on the road. And we said, look at here. Look what done happened. Y'all, a car wreck had happened, and a car caught on fire on the road. I said to him, man, it's crazy what you can see from up here. I said, it only I wish I could tell the people who are on that highway getting ready to travel to this particular road to take a different route because I see something they can't see. Mm, I'm coming to get you. I, I come to tell you, that the reason why we can submit our reasoning to God is because he sits high and looks low. And he sees something you can't see. That we see to the hill, God sees around the hill. We see today, but God sees your tomorrow. And I just come to talk to somebody here today that God is maybe asking you to do something that may be uncomfortable. You're in a season of where you don't understand what is what he's up to. Might I suggest to you that maybe God sees something you can't see. And if you just obey God, maybe he's not trying to restrict you, but he's trying to help you. So if, you, if he gives you a different route, all you need to say is, I do. God, that wherever you lead me, wherever you want me to go, I'll say yes because you know what's best for me. Somebody shout yes. I'm looking for all, not just the saved folk. I'm looking for the submitted folk that say, God, if you'll have me say it, I'll say it. Lord, if you tell me to go, I'll go. If you want me to love them, I'll love them. If you want me to forgive them, I'll forgive them. all my submitted folk. Make some noise and shout yes. Hey, 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 God is after your submission because you realize that he sees something I can't see. Good God Almighty, you see something I can't see. That's why I say yes. That's why I look like a fool in some season because you see it even though I can't see it. And I just want to know, is there anybody here that can say yes, that'll say I do, even when it don't feel good, even when it don't look good, even when I don't see how. Somebody shout yes. Be seated. Preach, Corey, you doing the best. You can. You smart, but not that smart. Them degrees are good, but it still don't amount to the wisdom of God. So even when he asks you to do something that don't make sense, our response has to be, I do. 
Somebody say, I do. Watch this. So Abraham, he gets to the mountain, and I'm almost done. Verse 9, can we walk the text? says, then they came to a place which God had told him. And Abraham built an altar there and placed the wood in order. And he bound Isaac, his son, and laid him on the altar upon the wood. You see that? That Abraham, he not just only builds an altar, but he places Isaac on the altar. But doesn't just place him on the altar, he bounds him to the altar. Now the question that you and I must ask is, why didn't Abraham just place him? Because to bound means to restrain. So therefore, if I'm going to submit to God, I can't just saddle my donkey. I got to restrain Isaac. Because Isaac represents Abraham's future. One of the reasons why he wanted a son is so that his bloodline can continue and be carried on. So when he put Isaac on the altar, what Abraham was saying to God is, I'm going to tie my future down for you. Because the truth of the matter is, many of us, we trust God with our present, but we have not entrusted God with our future. And if you're going to be submitted to God, you got to say, you got to be able to look at tomorrow and say, Lord, you got it. <laughs> you got to be able to look at tomorrow and what's getting ready to come and say, Lord, you got it. How do I know and how can I declare, Lord, you got it? Lord, I know you got it. Watch this because you got me and nothing in your hands will fail. And that is including me. Somebody say, you got it. He puts his future and ties his future down on the altar. And here it is in verse 10. The text says that Abraham, he stretches his hand, takes, to, takes the knife, watch this, to slay his son. Now Abraham, he's operating in the last thing that God told him to do. He raises his knife. Because he's operating in the last revelation, in the last word that God gave him. And the problem, hear this family, the problem with many believers today is that they're operating on past revelation. Teach Pastor Corey, you're doing the best you can. We're operating in past revelation. In other words, you're operating in what God said instead of what God is saying. But the Bible declares that man shall not live by bread alone. Where are my Bible readers? But, but by every word that proceedeth out of the mouth of God. For the Bible also says that when Jesus was teaching the disciples to pray, he prayed to, for them to give us our daily bread. Not occasional bread, but daily bread. And I come to tell you that if your life, uh, God, your, if your life is not seeing what God has placed in your heart, maybe your bread got mold on it. Ah, God, on it. Help me, God. Help me in this. I knew I wasn't going to get no amens right there. 
Uh, um, some of us, I come to tell you, you got mold on your bread. And God says, you need daily bread. God says, I need you to hear from me every day. Why? Because you understand that a part of me submitting my life to God is listening not to what God said in this word, but what is God saying right now. And if you're not careful, you'll be like Abraham. You'll get ready to kill something that God wants to keep. You'll kill your future because you're listening and listen to a voice in your past. That's why God fights some of you so much in a manner of coming to church. He fights you so much even in coming to Bible study because the enemy knows all you need is one word from God. That one word will change everything. That one word for God will not only change not only your situation, but one word will change you from the inside out. And I want to know, is there anybody here that when you walk through seasons that you didn't have much money, you didn't have many friends, you didn't have that great of a resource, but I got any saints in here that said, oh, there was a time where I had a word. And the only thing that kept me was as though he slay me yet will I trust him do I got any saints in here that's had to walk through seasons with just a word and the only thing that you had was no weapon formed against me shall prosper and every tongue that arises against me shall utterly fall is there anybody here that's walked through seasons and all you had was a weeping man and do it for a night but joy comes in in the morning light do I got anybody here that's ever had to just walk with a word somebody shout yes sometimes all you got is a word I may not have the money I want I may not have the strength I want I may not have the job I want I may not have the boo I want but I got a word with the high five your neighbor and say I got a word I got a word I got a word I got a word as long as I got a word as long as I got a word I know that I will be okay somebody shout yes as long I got a word. I'm going to be all right. And sometimes all you have in a season is a word. But still, that's the best thing that you could ever have. Because the word sometimes is better than money. Sometimes the best things God gives us is money, is things money can't buy. <laughs> Here it is. When we're not submitted to God, we'll kill what God wants to keep. Yes. If Abraham had obeyed what God had said, he would have killed Isaac when God wanted to keep Isaac. But when you're submitted, you don't have just an open heart. You got an open ear. And you operate and what God is saying, not what he said. And the text says, I'm done. Abraham, he looked up. And when he looked up, he saw a ram. Brother Chris, Brother Chris, he saw a ram 
in the thicket. Go, go, go to the point, at the top of the hill. He gets ready to sacrifice his son. God cries out, Abraham, Abraham. He says, here I am. He says, don't offer your son Isaac. He says, because of your faithfulness. And I see that now you fear me. And you love the gift more than the giver. You love the blessing more than the blessing. I provided you your answer. Now I got a problem with this thing. Because I study rams. And when I study rams, is that rams don't travel to the top of the mountain by themselves. Good God Almighty. Come here, Chris, go down to the bottom. That means that when God gave him a word, teach Corey, that while he had the wood, while he had the sacrifice, while he had the knife, while he was walking on the side of the hill, on the other side of the hill, God, I see in this, that was a ram and a way being made. Now watch this. He will get the provision if he keep walking. If he stops walking, watch this, the ram gets there, but I don't. Oh, God. And many of us have not experienced the fulfillment of a blessing, not because the blessing didn't move, but because you stopped walking. But the ramp walks and not only walks on the other side of the hill, but the ram meets him there. And I, as I close this sermon, can I just talk to somebody this morning? I just want to encourage you with two words. I want to tell you, keep walking. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Because if you stop walking, you won't ever meet the answer to your problem. If you stop walking, the provision that, that God is trying to meet you there, that he wants to meet you there, will be there, but you won't. But sometimes you got to learn how to keep walking. Somebody say, keep walking. Uh, somebody shout keep walking you got to learn how to keep your move feet moving and watch this if you can't walk crawl if you can't crawl I need you to get on your stomach and I need you to keep going somebody say keep going you got to learn how to keep walking high five your neighbor and say neighbor keep walking and say neighbor Keep walking. If you got to encourage yourself like David and say, as long as I got strength in my body, as long as God has given me life, I'm going to keep walking. And I come to prophesy over your life that if you keep walking, that what God has for you is getting ready to meet you there. Somebody shout yes that the ram is going to meet you right there. What's that Walk, keep walk, keep walk, keep walk, keep walk, keep walking. Why am I gonna keep walking? Because the blessing is already there. Oh God, I heard you in the spirit, Lord. God says if you keep on walking, watch this. Your blessing is not just getting ready to meet you there. 
He said, your blessing is getting ready to beat you there. And what he has for you is going to be on the other side of your I do. That what God has for you is going to be on the other side of your submission. Somebody shout yes. Yes. Abraham stops walking. The ram gets there, but he doesn't. The ram. I love the text. The text says the ram was caught in the thicket. Somebody say it ain't going nowhere. Yeah, yeah, you, you ain't got to worry about it. It ain't going nowhere. I know it seemed like you lost time, but it ain't going nowhere. I know you made some mistakes, but it ain't going nowhere. Somebody say it ain't going nowhere. The ram was caught in the thicket because what God has for you, it is for you. Somebody say, what God has for you, it is for you. That's why you ain't got to be jealous when God does something for somebody else. Because God has a ram. He has your ram caught in the thicket. And so can we break up this spirit of jealousy? And I want you to thank God not just for what he's getting ready to do in your house. I want you to thank God for what he's getting ready to do in the person that's sitting next to you house. I want you to praise God like he's already made a way, not for you, but I want you to praise God like he's made a way for the person that's sitting on your row. Somebody shout with the voice of triumph. Like he's already made a way. Hey, 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 hey. He's already made a way. Matter of fact, I hear you, Holy Ghost. God says, I want you to shout for that person that's not even here. That person that should have been here and gotten that word. But I want you to shout. I want you to shout for that mother. I want you to shout for that brother. I want you to shout for that sister. Somebody shout. Hey, 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 hey. Somebody shout. Open up your mouth. Somebody's deliverance is contingent upon your child. Somebody's somebody's door being open is contingent on your child. God says, I need a selfless spirit. Can you shout for somebody else? Can you shout? Can you praise and have intercessory praise for somebody else? God, do it for them. Make a way for them. Open up a door for them. Flood it flow for them. God heal them. Strengthen them. Deliver them. Somebody shout. I hear this is the last thing. This don't apply for everybody, but for some of you, God says, I want you to shout for your future children. 
I want you to shout for your next generation. I want, a, I want you to shout for babies you ain't even had yet. I want you to shout. I want you to shout for who is to come behind you. God says, I need some intercessory praises that say, you know what? I just won't praise God for what he does for me. But I'll praise God for what he's getting ready to do in somebody else's life. Somebody shout with the voice of triumph. Come on, come on, come on. I know this might be your thing, but every got a, everybody got a mouth. Everybody got a sound. Everybody got a voice. I said, open up your mouth. Somebody just lived because of your sacrifice. Somebody just got strengthened because of your sacrifice. Somebody just got saved because of your sacrifice. Somebody just got delivered because of your sacrifice. Somebody just got peace because of your sacrifice. Ah, will you thank God that he is a God that won't just do it for me, but he'll do it for somebody else. didn't just save Abraham, he saved Isaac. You continue to praise for that baby. You continue to thank God in the midst of those finances. You continue to offer that sacrifice. Here. I'm done, Floyd. Give me some keys. Yeah, this is what it's about. This is the worshipers. I know some of you are uncomfortable, but you don't have a relationship the way others have. This is, this is a, a worship moment. This is a sacrificial moment. Woof. Woof. I'm getting ready to declare something over your life. Minister Northless, where's Chris at? Give me Chris for a second. The text says, hear me. The text says that Abraham takes the ram that God provided it and he sacrificed the ram instead of his son. 
Here's the truth of the matter is, when I read this text, God never told Abraham to offer, uh, to offer the ram as a sacrifice. You never see him instruct him to sacrifice the ram. Go back and read it. But he takes this ram and he offers it anyway. Could it be that the ram was, was God's blessing for Abraham's faithfulness? Could it be that the ram was God's blessing for saying thank you for your submission and obedience? But instead, Abraham, he didn't eat it, he offered it. He took what could have been his harvest and made it a seed. Because I can eat the ram and live for a day, but I can offer it as a seed and live with goodness and mercy and favor forever. So instead of keeping what he should, instead of eating what he could have ate, he gave it away. It's a sacrifice. And the text says that as a result of his submission and obedience, he says, Abraham, I'm not just going to give you a son. I'm going to give you nations. With every hand lifted because I'm about to decree and declare this over your life. I declare over your life that when you offer what God is asking for. No, 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 no. Yes. That thing you want to keep. That habit you want to keep. You keep trying to make excuses for your sin. And God is saying, I want that particular desire. Because you desire it more than me. You spend time with it more than me. But I declare when you lay that thing at the altar that God is not just getting ready to give you a son in the spirit. He's getting ready to give you nations, translations, that God is getting ready to blow your mind. God says, I'm getting, you're getting ready to walk in a season, not only just with obedience and submission, but God says the fruit and the, the harvest of your submission, the fruit and the harvest of your obedience is getting ready to blow your mind. God says, I'm getting ready to open doors that man could open. I'm getting ready to open doors that your resume couldn't even afford. I'm getting ready to open doors. And God says, oh, Lord, I hear you. And God told me to tell you that he's getting ready to do it before the year is up. God says, I ain't got to wait till 2020. But God says, I'll get it. All I need is a few months. And God told me to tell you that when you'll be obey, when you submit, God says, I'm getting ready to accelerate what, what you are going to have to wait for. God says, I'm getting ready to bring it to pass. That you're not going to have to wait for it. But God says, I'll do it before the year is up. And all I want you to do is to thank me after you got it. But it takes one thing for the thank him after you get it. But God says, is there anybody crazy enough? Is there anybody faith-filled enough that'll praise him before it happens? That we'll receive a word that God, I'll praise you in advance and I say yes thank you for listening to Heavenly Gospels Podcast if you would like to partner with us and give on today you can give via cash app dollar sign Heavenly Gospel 
Thank you for listening. Have a great day.